Welcome to American Players Theater Talk Backs to Go. I'm Buzz Kemper, and I invite you to take a walk up the hill with Orange Schroeder and me as Orange chats with director Aaron Posner and actors Brian Monney and David Daniel about APT's 2016 production of Endgame by Samuel Beckett. We're talking about Samuel Beckett's uh, play entitled Endgame today, and I have with me three guests. Aaron Posner, who is directing the play and is also a playwright in his own right. Uh, Brian Monney, who is playing Ham, a character who is described as being unable to stand and blind. And David Daniel, who is playing his son, who is unable to sit. And uh, this, of course, is not your usual play. It is... um, one of the um, existential plays that uh, Beckett is known for. We have already seen Waiting for Godot at um, at APT, and I think that we are hopefully ready for Endgame. And I want to ask, um, do you think the audiences are going to, to get it? And um, is it different from from Waiting for Godot? It is different from Waiting for Godot, and whether the audiences get it or not is depending on whether we do our job well or not. Um, you know, the play is less direct, less speci- you know, it's both more specific and less specific than a typical realistic play. The moments are very, very specific, but you don't have a lot of context, so we, it becomes the job of the director, designers, and actors to fill in those specifics and make it clear, not make it feel, oh, this is weird and odd and crazy and we're not supposed to get it, but rather we need to make it clear, and that's what we're, uh, that's what we're working on now. And how do you do a character with those kind of stage directions? <laughs> um, you go at it uh, as we've been uh, intensely w- with, um, but it's hard. <laughs> um, <clears throat> as Aaron has been leading us through, we want sp- incredible specificity, but we also don't want to make it so specific that it's weird or that it can't mean two or three or seven or 23 different other things. So the specificity is for us to have, and yet it has to be accessible to the, to the listener, to the, to the viewer, to the theater goer. So it's uh, difficult. We, we come at moments in rehearsals right now um, six different ways. And... Uh, we're figuring it out because this is going to be our end game. Uh, if you've seen end game before, it probably is going to be a bit different. Not on purpose, just because we're doing it that way. Yeah, even the phrase, uh, will the audience get it, as if there is an it to get, uh, what Brian said before about uh, making, all, making as many possibilities as we can in a single line or an event or a moment in the play, that's what we're after. I think that's Humbly, I think that's what Beckett was after as well, is that to create something where the person finds value, meaning uh, from the event in front of them, as opposed to the actors saying, here's the story, here's the relationship, here's what's going on. So we're trying to provide, ooh, it's a tricky thing, trying to balance that being very specific about what exactly is going on and yet 
being so being specific in a way that allows the audience to bring oh like my father oh like my mom like my college career like retirement that they can bring who they are to that any given moment in the play the playwrights who are writing like this and this is Sarch and Pinter and Beckett and Ionesco or the, the their goal isn't obscurity or obfuscation right their goal is to try, is universality and being able to make things more accessible and more engaging by leaving things open for the for the sort of audience to pour into it. So uh, unfortunately, it gets misunderstood a lot and that those who are performing it try and like, oh, it's open. I can make it anything I want. So we'll make it clowns from hell on Mars and, you know, or, they, or whatever they do and odd choices that aren't really that interesting. Our goal is to bring as much of our own understanding of the world, our own humanity, with the idea that if we make it human to ourselves, if we bring our understanding, our hearts, minds, spirits, souls into the work, then those things will make it accessible uh, to the audience to bring, as, as, as David's saying, uh, bring themselves. And this is exactly what you do with Shakespeare or Chekhov or Shaw or any of the playwrights that get done here. So the package is somewhat different, but the goal, the communication, the relationship that wants to be built between performer and audience is really very similar. And I would say that Beckett would definitely agree with what you say about how um, it, it is his intention for it to be performed exactly the way he wants it to be done. There was a production in 1984 in Boston, or in Cambridge rather, with music by Philip Glass, and it was uh, set in a derelict subway tunnel, and uh, legal action was taken that was settled out of court through an agreement to insert in the program the statement from Beckett. Any production of Endgame which ignores my stage direction is completely unacceptable to me. My play requires an empty room and two small windows. The American Repertory Theater production, which dismisses my direction, is a complete parody of the play as conceived by me. Anybody who cares for the work couldn't fail to be disgusted by this. Yeah. <laughs> I utterly disagree with Mr. Beckett's opinion of like what... I mean, I just feel... I think he's a brilliant, brilliant playwright who I can't even begin to imagine the complexity and richness of his brain to have created these worlds that he did. But as a director... And as a sort of theater maker, everything in me rebels with, against the idea of there is one way to do it, and it's the way I did it 60 years ago. And as though the world has stopped, as though when we see people in a garbage can, Oscar the Grouch doesn't come to our mind as much as the, the images from, you know, from Endgame. The world goes on, and, lo- and one of the amazing things about live theater is that it'll, it's a living art, and it changes with us, and it changes with, our, with the fashions, and the music, and the time, and the energy and the politics and you hear new things in plays all the time so the idea of locking the stagecraft down just seems a shame to me that he had an idea about holding tight to his idea that I think is sort of just it's just a shame because I think all the things that could be done with the plays with his plays would be and some of them would be terrible some of them would be horrible but that's okay too so we are doing what he said we are following his stage directions we are following with the design is what he asks for the stage directions we're doing his play because that's what he has requested and as a playwright certainly I want to respect that Um, we are also it, it doesn't limit what the actors can bring of themselves of their own hearts of their own understanding so there it we are making it our own in a way as well which i uh which i hope he wouldn't object to and certainly there's no we're following the letter and i think the spirit of the law um but uh i do i do think his position is a sad one and it's an unusual one i mean 
it's more, con- I mean, playwrights can be controlling to some degree, um, but uh, it is more controlling than most. And you, you mentioned the trash cans. We haven't really talked about the other two characters. Would either of you like to mention the other two people in the play? Well, uh, first of all, I'd like to make just a slight uh, clarification on your intro. You described uh, Clove, who is uh, David Daniels going to be playing, as my son. It's really um, from the play we gather that I am or have been at some point in the play a father figure to him, sort of a surrogate father. But there's no evidence that directly that he is my son, although there are elements to it that seem like he is. Um, but the other characters are Nag and Nell, who are Ham's parents. Uh, and they're played by John Pribble and Sarah Day. Um, Sarah Day's been here for many years, and many people will remember her. Um, but we've never seen her in a dustbin before. I don't think I've ever well, seen we her. We have, in a but. Um, <laughs> oh, is that, oh, that, should I not say that? That's, that's right. not appropriate. Doctor's um, Dilemma. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Opening night. Oh, All right. That's right. <laughs> no, we, we are, no, 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 no. It's a shame we have such a terrible cast that we have four actors with no real skills or humanity or complexity to bring to the table. No, it's like it's it's, it's such a blessing to be able to do to, to do this show with cat with a cast that knows each other so well and brings such experience and such richness to it. That's so, what you were saying. No, so uh, so I'm playing Ham who cannot stand and is blind, and Clove is a character who can't sit. And Nag and Nell are confined to garbage cans. And it's suggested they have merely stumps for legs. I'm surprised this hasn't been turned into a sitcom. Or a, <laughs> like or a, musical. <laughs> a musical. The dancing MK. possibilities would be. You know, it's, it's funny when you head into blocking and you think like, so I need to block the show. Well, I need to block... David Daniel, <laughs> since he's the only one that can move. Everybody else is. Yeah, yeah. My chair moves, but I don't move within it. Um, and uh, End Game, uh, just uh, to bring a little clarification to the title, uh, is like the end game, uh, like at the end of a chess game, when the results are evident that someone is going to win, but it gets played out uh, by necessity. You play it out, move all the pieces and you finally finish the game and in a sense uh we know our fate we know what's going to happen probably like all of us Um, (laughs) but we put it in one room and we let four people bang their ideas around and uh or beckett does and uh that's what the end game is it's not a terribly cheery play Although it is very funny, I think at there, times there is there's a lot there's a lot of humanity and there's a lot of humor in it. But it's yeah, it's it's a it's a bleaker vision than than some. And it was actually originally written by Beckett in French. Um, and you mentioned about the chess game um, in the title, but the the French title, which was uh, Fin de Partie, apparently also had some other meanings in French. That he he did the translation to English that you're using by uh, on his uh, own, but that he felt that there wasn't really an English word that had the same meaning, mm-hmm. and and I don't know what the additional overlays yeah he was always were. Lo- looking for meanings for his words even in English he's an Irishman so even in English he was always uh, open to people saying well you know there's an idiom that you can use for that instead he he rewrote smaller portions of various plays with new idioms as he learned them. And I also, what you said about the ART production, um, there was another production of Godot where they measured, uh, they rehearsed it. 
the performance starts at a rehearsal table. Actors coming in, coffee cups with scripts, and they start the performance like that. It's a common style in theater, but they're reading from the scripts, and they would get up and expand, and then it comes back to the table. And he was very happy with that production. He thought that production really got at the heart of Godot. So he's not... It, even though he said in that particular production, he said, that's not my show, he was very open to things that got at the play. I don't pretend that we have the answer, but I know that with Aaron, the, the, the balance that he has as a director and as a playwright honoring both of those roles, I think we're in good hands on the, on the journey that we're making. Like we've got, good, we've got a good guide to get us there. And how interesting to have an Irish playwright who was writing in French and translating, obviously, well, he, into English. He, I don't know if he did it always, but he did that with Gadoa too, I believe. And I, re- I have read about the trouble he had being an Irishman, writing the play in French, and then translating it to English. Hmm. He had a hard time with it sometimes, even though it was his play. Interesting. And, and the play is from the early 60s. I mean, it's, it's not a recent play. Do you think that it has aged well? I'm from the early 60s, and so I think we're aging okay. Um, just because you're from the early 60s doesn't mean you're obsolete, I, I like to think. Um, yeah, I think, it, I think it ages really well because it's, because it's not dealing in the tiny specifics, but the big movements of our lives, how, you know, power, um, hope, hopelessness family, like the, the questions of the play, the playground, as it were, for this endgame, um, goes to the core of being a human being, goes to the big questions, the hard questions. Um, it's a constant juxtaposition between these sort of small, quotidian, everyday acts in this sort of landscape of, of difficulty, of how hard it is to be a human being. And I don't think that um, how hard it is to be a human being will ever go out of fashion. Hmm. Very well put. Thank you all so much for your um, amazing ability to bring a difficult play to life on the APT stage. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Talk Backs to Go is a production of Orange Tree Imports and Audio for the Arts. Your host is Orange Schroeder. I'm Buzz Kemper. Our music is used by permission of the artist. Please find us on iTunes and YouTube under APT Talkbacks to Go. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.